we are in our series uh, called Anchors. We've been looking at uh, some anchor points for our life that can hold us in place when the storms of life come. Some things that not only just when, when bad things are happening, but things that help us to kind of keep our ship right. Uh, that almost sounded bad. I didn't mean it to sound that bad. That word in my head almost sounded bad. Anyway, uh, but to hold, us, to hold us in place, to make sure that we're not being tossed around by the winds, the waves. We're not drifting though, like unnecessarily, that we're, we're being held in place. And I, I, I don't know how to express this like, enough. I, I really, really believe that if we will um, be conscious about having these anchors in our life, that it will really, really help us have a fuller life, the life that God intended. Like, it might seem silly to have these, like, five phrases, but, look, after a lot of studying theology and seminary classes, a lot of it boils down to these five things that we're talking about in this series. The goodness of God, like, that's, I mean, that's the topic. I have a lot of books on my shelf, like, talking about how the goodness of God is. It's, like, a really important topic. Uh, that I am loved that's all about the, how Jesus loves us and has pursued this relationship with us and what he did for us on the cross. Like, it doesn't get any more important than the love of Jesus, like, in our lives. That's, that's a really big deal, that, that we're loved. That we're never alone, like Katie shared about last week, how we have God with us in each and every circumstance. And not only that, we have one another within the family of God. There is a world out there full of lonely people, and it's completely unnecessary, Right? Like, so for us to understand the reality that we're never alone is a really big deal and that we have, have one another. And then today, we're going to be talking about how we're sent with purpose. And I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, like, this won't be the best sermon you're ever going to hear. But if you take the stuff that I talk about and you actually put this into practice in your life, your life will never be the same. And our church will never be the same, and our community will never be the same. Uh, that, you, you might feel a little bit of excitement in my heart, because I, I feel like God is wanting to say something to us tonight. And so I'm, I'm just fired up about that. Stand if you're able. We're going to read just short verse here to kick us off. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We stand when we can for the reading of the word. So here's what it says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So Lord, I, I pray right now that you just begin to open our hearts and minds to hear and to receive what it is that you have for us. Lord, and I pray that what I say, oh Lord, what I communicate will really genuinely be what's on your heart, Lord, and nothing else. And I pray, God, your spirit will make this a reality in this place. In your name, amen. You can be seated. So today we're going to talk about being sent with purpose. I am sent with purpose. If you look at many of the academic disciplines anthropology, sociology, psychology, philosophy, if you were like to take all of those things uh, and you were to look at some of, the, some of the things that they focus on, a lot of these disciplines would all agree that there are two basic human questions, two questions that human beings ask and need answered. Who am I and why am I here? 
Who am I and why am I here? So much of uh, the study of humanity and groups and people groups and history and religion all come back to these two questions. Who am I and why am I here? Almost every religion or every social system is somehow built around answering these two questions. Who are you? And why are you here? It's necessary because without answers to these questions, we don't have a lot of order in our worlds and in our minds. And we're, as human beings, like we're wired to live within some kind of order, a system that, that makes sense. And so these two questions and the answer to these two questions give us a sense of purpose. Who are you and why are you here? And people are absolutely desperate. Like this has always been the case. This is why there are so many social systems and religious systems, people are desperate to create a sense of meaning and purpose. Uh, they want to understand what is the point of the, why does this all exist? And what is my role in it? And it's interesting, uh, as history has advanced, human beings have become less and less clear about these questions. As a matter of fact, if you follow some, some trends historically, you'll see that the more the world has lots of different options for answers to these questions, the more psychosis and craziness kind of continues to build up. You actually trace uh, anxiety and depression and all this historical trends back to when people began to move around the world and be more globally connected. Uh, back in the, in the Industrial Revolution, uh, people left the home and there was less sense of, uh, of understanding of who we are and what we're doing. And actually, as a result, there was a total fracture. So alcoholism, a lot of the vices that we see, drug addiction, all of that starts to skyrocket in the early 1800s as people are losing their sense of value, their sense of purpose, their sense of meaning. And that's not getting any better. I don't know if you've noticed this. Because now we're connected not just with one another and the people we work with. I can be connected all over the world. And there's too many options for who I can be and what I can do. Like, just a, just a little example. We live in a world where we're overwhelmed by the options. And it creates a sense of, like, dissonance in us. You ever walk into Woodman's? Oh, my gosh! It, it like, it, one, it's on the one hand, I love it. It's like a wonderland. It's like there's so much stuff. Like, there's so many options and so many things to choose from. But then I'm looking at the corn aisle. The, the fact that there is a corn aisle, there are multiple, like, there are 50 feet that I can walk, and there are lots of different options for corn, is, like, insanity. And that actually is, like, kind of part of what's happening in our society. There are just too many options for us, and when there are too many options we don't know what to do, we begin to try to construct our own sense of meaning, our own sense of purpose, and that doesn't work for us very and this verse, the Apostle Paul answers these two questions. Here is what is true about you. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Who are you? You are God's handiwork. What has he created you to do? Why are you here? Good works. He prepared in advance for you to do. These, this short little verse might be one of the most condensed, profound statements in all of the Bible. Like, if it can answer these two questions, who are you and why are you here? It should be like something that we like. We commit this to memory, which, by the way, I'll have a gift card for you if you remember this next week, right? This is something that we should know, something we should take seriously. It, it's something about us as followers of Jesus that we like, man, th this answers the question, who am I and why am I here? 
So let's break this down. You are God's handiwork. God's handiwork. In the, in the original language in Greek, uh, the, the word here for handiwork, you've probably heard this before if you've been around church, is the word poema. Everyone say poema. poema. It's where we get the word poem. That's where that word poem comes from. And it refers to any sort of creation of another person. Any sort of creative work of another person. So it could refer to a poem. I write a poem. It could refer to a song. I, that's a work that I create. It could refer to a table that I've crafted or I've made. It could refer to a statue that I've made. It could, could, could refer to a house that I built. It doesn't necessarily have to be something particularly artistic. It could be anything that I make. It's a work of humanity. It could be something really noble, or it could be something really just kind of um, typical. But here it's saying something really profound, because it's saying that, that the person behind who you are, number one, you are God's work, and two, you, like he made you. You are not a product of yourself. You actually can't take any credit for who you are. It's all his handiwork. And this is not like a new idea. If we go all the way back to Psalm 139, here's what it says. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well. My frame was not hidden, you when, uh, hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. This is God's work. This is what God is saying about who you are. You are a result of his work in your life. Here's what God says. How precious are your thoughts, oh God. This is awesome, guys. This is the God of the universe having thoughts about you. How precious are, you th are your thoughts? How vast are the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. That is ridiculous, guys. God's thoughts about you, not about everybody in the world, but about you, are more than all of the grains in all of earth. That's amazing to me. And that's what God says. You are his handiwork. You are a product of his creation. That psalm is related to you as a human being, but this Ephesians verse is some, saying something even more. This is talking about who we are in Christ. This is talking about not just that we were made generally good and made in the image of God, but that we're actually restored back to what God originally designed in his mind when he created us. And that is a beautiful thing. This is so incredibly important because the answer to the question of who you are is not ultimately defined by anything you can say about you. The, the answer to who you are, it only matters who says who you are. And he says that you are good and that you are his masterpiece. You are his work of art. You are his treasure. We don't get to have a difference of opinion on this. I, I, like, if you argue with God, you lose the argument. This is the way this works. You can, you can try, and he will listen, but he will win because he is truth, right? And so what he says about you is really the only thing that matters. That's a really big deal. You are his. You are his idea. You are his idea. 
That's a pretty profound truth on, on its own, right? We can pause right there. It's one thing to just revel in the goodness of who we're made, uh, that, that we're made by him and that we're his. But the second half of this is that you were made for a specific purpose. You were made for a specific purpose. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do or for you to do. The master craftsman had a design and an intent for you when he made you. There's something was in his heart, and it wasn't just to go, oh, look at what I did. Like, he made you for a specific purpose. It reminds me of, uh, so I've got a couple pictures here. I recently went on a trip with a cousin of mine uh, to New England, and we're traveling around, and we're looking at these lighthouses, uh, which always feels a little bit weird to me. Like, why are we so obsessed with lighthouses? Like, everyone's like, the lighthouse is so beautiful. This is the lighthouse. And everyone's just like, you know, there's all parks. And it's like, it's really just a building. Like, you know, it's a building with a giant flashlight on top. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you put a flashlight on top of a building here, people would be like, yeah, what's the big deal? But these are like, they're beautiful. There is something really awe-inspiring when, you're, when you see these things, though. There's something about it that feels like so special. And part of what's special is not just how they're made, but also the setting. Look at that beautiful, this looks fake. I took that with my iPhone, you know. This beautiful picturesque setting. But the, here's the thing. Those lighthouses aren't made for us just to stare and look at. They were made for a specific purpose. They were made so that their light would shine to bring ships safely into harbor. And without their existence, people are wayward. People are getting lost and wrecking themselves. And look, part of what this is saying is like, you are like that. You are like this beautiful lighthouse. I've placed you in a specific place and time right here. And I have given you a purpose like this lighthouse. Don't believe me? This is exactly what Jesus says about us. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. Right? Don't, don't be hidden. You were designed with a purpose. The whole reason why these lighthouses are made is because they have to guide these ships safely into harbor. Their beauty is tied to their function in a way. Their purpose. And God created you and placed you where he has because he has a design and intent for you. Yes. That's some, that's some good horn out there. I like it. I don't know. Someone's blowing a shofar. Oh, well. That's great. Um, if you don't know what shofar is, that's a good thing. So you're fine. Uh, this is not a new idea that you were designed with a purpose. Actually, way back in the very beginning... God creates human being in their image and then gives them a specific task. Here, you guys go and rule over everything that I've made. Fill this earth and subdue it. Basically, create order out of all of this. Multiply. Fill this place. Bring about the best that creation has to offer. This was part of our design right from the origin of the story is that we would have a purpose or a role to play. Actually, the whole story of the Bible is really about our, God's intent about us partnering with him and how we often don't fulfill our side of the partnership. This is why Jesus enters into the equation. Because no matter how hard we try, no matter how God invites us into partnership with him, we continue to mess it up. And so God sends his own son to say, you know what? We're going to redeem this mess. And we're going to make this so that we're true, truly partners in bringing about the reconciling of all things. 
And that's what Jesus came to do. Part of the good news of Jesus is not just that we're saved from our sins, although that's incredibly good news, but that we have a restored purpose here on the planet. Again, Jesus told his disciples they were the light of the world, the city on the hill. He told his disciples that just as the Father had sent him, he was sending them to go. And then he says these crazy things where if I was the disciples, I'd be like, tone it down a little bit, Jesus. That seems a little crazy. He says, you will do even greater things than I did. Like, that's, that's Jesus, your Lord, saying what is true about you. That's not Chael giving you hype speech. That's in John, the gospel, that says, this is what my disciples will do. They'll do even greater things than I did. Have you ever thought about why Jesus didn't stay on earth? Ever thought about this? It's just kind of like it was, I was puzzling this the other day. It's like, well, Jesus, like, you were here. Like, we had you. And you were doing all these awesome miracles. And, like, the, the, king, is, the king is here. You die. You are resurrected from the dead. Like, what else is left to do? In my mind, if I was drawing up the plan, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, cool. Hang out here with us. Let's start this whole new thing now. But Jesus is like, no, I actually am going to go away, and I'm entrusting you to continue the work that I started here on earth. That, to me, absolutely blows my mind. That Jesus would think that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit conspire in heaven I think, what is the best way for the salvation of the world? Well, I'm going to come. I'm going to die for their sins. I'm going to, I'm going to be resurrected. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to leave the world in their hands. What? That is the message of Acts. In the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, it says, Jesus began to teach them about everything that he had begun to do. It was as though his ministry is continuing through them. It's like there should never be an ending chapter to the book of Acts. Because that's what we're designed to continue living out that. And so here's the Apostle Paul reflecting on all that saying, yep, that's why you were made. You were made and you were sent with a purpose. You are sent with purpose. What does it mean to be sent with purpose? Well, the wording here that there are these good works that are created in advance for us to do actually leaves it really wide open kind of what these good works that we're made for. It can mean almost anything, but it doesn't just mean simply that we just do kind of nice stuff. I mean, it's good to do nice stuff. I mean, don't be a jerk. This is Christianity 101. Just don't be a jerk. That, like, some of us would be like, let's just start, let's start there, right? Just, that's fine. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about partnering with God to bring about whatever is in his heart in a situation. It's about partnering with God to bring whatever is his heart in a situation. It's about us being an answer to the prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're not just sitting and waiting on that to happen. We are actively involved in that happening. When, that when Jesus prays, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Jesus doesn't sit around and just wait for that to happen. He goes around releasing the kingdom of God, setting people free from demons and healing the sick and including the lonely, right? It has to do with us 
taking our part and being ministers, like the Apostle Paul would say elsewhere, ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ. We are the messengers. We're sent with the message and the good news. The way that Jesus kind of talked about this in his, in his time was to say that he only did what he saw the Father doing. The idea is that God is working, and we're looking for where he's working, and we're just joining him in his work. Sometimes that looks like physical healing and us praying for that. Sometimes that looks like us feeding people who are hungry. Sometimes that looks like us encouraging people who are discouraged. Sometimes that looks like teaching and instructing people in wisdom who lack wisdom or instruction. Sometimes that looks like inviting people to our home. Sometimes that looks like praying for deliverance for the oppressed. It doesn't matter. Jesus did all of these things. And so these are all good works that he has created in advance for you to do. The common denominator in all of this is that Jesus was somehow bringing about what his father desired in each and every situation. And so that is his purpose and intent for you. That is the purpose with which you are sent to bring about the father's heart. The good works that are created in advance for you to do, are you stepping into the work that God is doing and say, Father, what do you want to do here? I'm going to get off, I'm going to come back to this. And I don't know where I'm going with the rest of this. Well, I do, but I don't. So, when my daughter is brokenhearted about something, I'm bringing the heart of the Father when I bring comfort to her. Do you see? That's a good work that God created in advance for me to do. When I can see that the waitress has come out of the kitchen and that she's crying because she just got yelled at at a boss, and I pray for that waitress at the table, and I leave a generous tip, that is the good works that God has created in advance for us to do. Do you see? Like, sometimes we get paralyzed by over-spiritualizing this stuff. Does that make sense? It is sometimes that simple. It's honoring my wife. By doing the darn dishes. Or vacuuming. Yes, she says an amen. I have an amen. Do I have another amen? (laughs) Sorry, husbands. I just got everybody in trouble. But then sometimes it's the other stuff too. Laying hands on the sick and praying that they would be healed. Being willing to step out and look foolish for the sake of the gospel. Sharing the good news of Jesus with people who it is, he is their only hope. It's all of the above. Sometimes we get fixated on all the things that we're like trying to figure out. Like even, even this, I know for me, oftentimes as a kid and youth group and I would hear a message like this and I would be, uh, I'd get so excited and I'd be thinking about my career and my calling. Like, God, what is the good works you've created me to do with my career and how can I like find a job where I can do this kind of stuff all the time. And that's fine. Like it could refer to that. This, this is possible here that you could think that way. But in reality, the wording here is a lot more general than it is about you finding some specific job or career or calling. In the original language, when it says there are these good works prepared in advance for us to do, the way it's, it's, actually, it's actually not a very good translation. 
it, it seems as though it's limiting us just to one-off actions or specific settings. But in reality, the wording here is that there are these good works that we are created to walk in. An ongoing kind of availability to continue to walk in doing good works. You know, sometimes we use the, the language of walk the walk as a way to explain that somehow someone's actions match what they say. That, that their life, their character is typified by, by what they did, right? That's kind of what this is saying, that your life should be characterized by you doing these good works. Not necessarily that, that we get paralyzed in trying to always be so specific about the good works, that we're called to do, but that in general, our life and our calling is that we, it's normal for us to bump into opportunities for us to reveal the Father's heart in various situations. It's an ongoing way of, of being. It has to do with our whole life. It means that as we go about our life, whatever station you're in, if you're a mom or you're a student or you're a business leader, or if you're a pastor, or it doesn't matter, whatever your station in life is, there are going to be situations that you will walk in. You will wake up tomorrow, and tomorrow, in whatever it is you do, God has prepared in advance opportunities for you to bring the heart of the Father into whatever it is you do. So if you're a counselor, in that therapy session, there is some way that you can bring the healing of the Father into that moment in time by asking the right question. If you're a mom, there's a way that you can bring the healing heart of the Father by comforting your children. Do you see? If you're, if you're a business person, you can bring the wisdom of the kingdom of God, the wisdom of heaven to solutions here on earth to say, I don't, no one else has a way to figure this out, but I think I do. I don't know where this idea, guys, this is what's possible for us as believers. Good works are hidden right in the middle of your everyday life. When you go and you're waiting for coffee at Starbucks, when you're checking out at Jewel or Walmart or, God forbid, Woodman's, wherever you are, there are good works waiting there for you to do. God has sent you into the world, and he wants you to live your life prepared in each and every circumstance to step into the good works he has for you there. You don't have to sit around and wait for opportunities. You are the opportunity. Wherever you are, there the kingdom of God is. So if Jesus is king over your heart, it means where you go, you bring the kingdom. That's what ambassadors do. They go and they represent a foreign country in a foreign land. That is what God says that you are. You are ambassadors everywhere you go in every single day and everything you do, bringing the kingdom of God. If you feel like, like we're just setting the bar way too low, guys. We're just setting the bar way too low. Jesus is king, and his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we're called to carry that into every situation, everywhere we go. It doesn't mean we all walk around looking like, like kind of just uh, 
goofy-looking people who are just happy, joy all the time. That's fine if that's who you are, if that's God's means. That's not my personality. I'm by nature an emo kid. I like metal and hardcore, and I make this face all the time. Like, you know, when I'm worshiping, I, like, have the joy of the Lord, and I have this face all the time. That's my joyful face, right? Like, it's not about what you wear here. It's about what you do. It's about what you carry. It's about how is the kingdom of God resting on me to, to bring whatever it is that's needed into any situation. You are the opportunity. The kingdom goes wherever you go. So Jesus would wake up every day and I think pray a prayer like this, Father, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do today, Father? And the Father would say, well, we're going to watch out for sick people. And you're probably going to find some. And the father would say, you're going to notice that lonely woman at the well. And you're going to break with tradition. And you're going to have a conversation with her with no one else. And everyone around you is like, hey, why are you doing that? Aren't you hungry, Jesus? Jesus is like, I am being filled right now as I'm doing the work of my father. So what would it look like for us to start thinking like Jesus and get up saying, there's someone to serve today. There's someone to love today. There's work to be done with integrity and diligence today. There's wisdom to be shared today. There's someone to heal. There's someone to comfort. There's someone to bless. Some of you have the gift of giving. That's awesome. The world needs people who are, who are like willing to give. So what happens is we walk about life we're literally going to bump into these opportunities to demonstrate the love and power of God. And the more we do this, the more it typifies our life. The more that becomes how we walk in good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. That is who you are meant to be and who I'm meant to be. We're meant to be a person who's always looking for opportunities to bring about the heart of the Father in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Always looking to see how can we be the lighthouse. But the reality is that, like, being honest, busyness, distraction, hurt, hardship, insecurity, just plain old selfishness, all get in the way of us living out that purpose, right? Let's just be honest. I'm a, I am a selfish person. I'm willing to confess before you today. There are times I just don't want to talk to people. Anyone? Anyone else? I will, I will go in this door so I don't have to talk to that person over there that I only kind of know. Anyone, anyone? An avoider? Yeah? At my, at my best, when I've been in the secret place with my father and I'm listening for what he has for us, I'm like, I'm going to go find that person. But there's a slow drift that happens in my life where I'm like, I am going to avoid that person. You're like, you can't be our pastor and say this. Yes, I can. Why are we trying to fake like we're all good all the time? We're not. Like, God wants to breathe on our weakness and our infallibility. Like, he, he wants to say, us to admit, say, Father, I do not have a desire to do this today. But I think that you do, so help me, God. 
My own insecurities sometimes, like afraid I'm going to step out and all people think I'm weird. Right? And I am weird. Guys, we're weird. Look at the sweatshirt. This is a weird sweatshirt. Andrew likes it. I feel like, yeah, I've got Andrew's approval. We, we believe that, the, that God took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, lived this, this whole entire life as both fully God and fully human, died on a cross, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven. That's what we believe. That's the bedrock of our faith. If you want to be a Christian, those are the essential things that you must believe in order to be a Christian. That, that's it. That is weird, guys. Like, so why is it more weird to pray for someone? Why is it more weird to go out on a limb to comfort, for, comfort someone when we know that they're hurting? Right? The whole basis of what we do is weird. They're like, you're not encouraging us. I'm just saying, if, if we're going to do this, then let's do it. Let's sell out completely to it. Like, let's, let's say, yes, I am sent with purpose. I, I know that this is true. And here's the deal. It's actually really bad for us when we don't live this way. It's actually really bad for us and for other people. I recently have been uh, come across uh, through some conversations with some other people, uh, learning about how our, a lot of problems in our physical body uh, can be traced back to when our cells in our body either don't replicate or um, they replicate the wrong things. And there's this whole body of research around this that basically says cells lose their sense of identity when they lose their sense of purpose. They don't know what they're doing in the body. So your physical cells in your body. And when those physical cells lose their sense of purpose, what they're supposed to be doing, they either die and are useless or they replicate bad things. You don't have to stretch your mind really far to think about how our life might be like that if we don't have a sense of purpose. How we can feel aimless and like we don't know what we're doing and I don't know why I'm getting out of bed this morning and I don't know what, what, what this is about. Or that we replicate bad things in our life, things that are not what God's heart wants for us if we're not dialed in to what his purposes are for us. I think there are a lot of us, myself included, that are missing out on the full life that God has intended for us because we have forgotten that we are sent with purpose. Living a life with God where we are looking for opportunities to bring about his goodness is the best adventure you will ever go on. It's the best adventure you'll ever find. The adventure of faith is like the most exciting one. Like the things that you will see God do when you take steps of faith are so awesome and so much better than when we play it safe. I wonder how many of us are feeling aimless or struggling or disappointed with life. And part of that is because we are not acting in our senseness. We're not stepping out into the places that God already has placed us and saying, Father, what's your heart here? How can I bring about your kingdom right here? 
or looking beyond the next horizon. Look, some of you right now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is spurring in your heart to begin to look out and think about different ministries that might be started in our church family or things that might happen in your neighborhood. God is stirring something in your heart. And God is creating those works in advance for you to to do too. I I don't want to dismiss that stuff. Because I think there's that kind of stuff boiling under the surface here in our church family, as well as the everyday stuff. But I want us to experience all of that because God wants that for us, too. Do you remember being a kid um, and your parents or some adult giving you a sense of responsibility to do something? Uh, like, and, it, and it just like made you feel like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. Like For, for me, uh, my, my dad played softball. And I always looked up to all of the guys on, like, the church softball team. They were just all, in my mind, like, these awesome guys. And I wanted so bad when I was a kid just to be around the grown-up softball team. Like, I just wanted to be a part of it. And I remember one day they asked me to be the bat boy. Go and get the bats at the softball game. Now, when I say it that way, it's like, that's not very exciting. You realize you were the errand boy, Right? going and chasing the bats at the church softball game. This is not a big deal, but to me, it gave me a sense of purpose. I can remember feeling like I am a part of the team, right? God has purposes for you in your life that when when you say yes to it, it might seem small to other people, but it's not small to you. And when you step into it, you will come alive. And that can turn into something else. I went from growing and grabbing the bats to actually being a part of the softball team one day. Well, before that, I went to playing catch with the guys. And then, you see what I mean? It just takes one step of saying, yeah, this week, I think, I want to partner with God. I want to live like a sent person. You've been given this incredible, it is an incredible privilege to partner with heaven. And God's inviting us to step out into it. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Now look, I know very well how dangerous this is to start to establish a sense of worth or value in what we do. It's a dangerous thing to have our identity caught up in what we do, to find our value and our worth in our actions. I'm a byproduct. I'm a person here, a confessing person who has struggled with that, having my identity wrapped up in what I do, having my sense of value wrapped up in what I do. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about us earning our identity through our good works. I'm saying our good works should be a reflection of God's good work in our life. Do you see that? It's a different thing. I'm not trying to earn my sense of value and worth. I have value and worth because I am his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for these things he's created in advance for me to do. I am a lighthouse put on there to shine my light so that ships can come and have safe harbor at home. You are sent with purpose. 
So we're not looking for opportunities to do work for the Father so that we can have a sense of value. Like, we're, we're meant to work from the value we already have. We're meant to live out our identity. We don't work for identity. We work from identity. That's a whole different thing. Actually, the, part of the dissonance is this is who we are, and our actions often don't line up with that, right? That's the dissonance. So what all we're saying is here, what does it look like for us to get up tomorrow morning and say, tomorrow, I want to be who I am. Tomorrow, I want to carry the heart of the Father in whatever it is I'm doing. I want to bring the goodness of heaven into the situation in my home or in my workplace, and I refuse to settle for just letting status quo. Guys, God didn't need us to bring about his heart on earth. He didn't need us to do it. He chose for us to do it. He actually wants us to take steps of being proactive and step in to bringing about the healing of the nations and the healing of our home and the healing of our hearts. God has good works for you to do and whatever station you're in. So if you want to grow in this, I think there are really just two simple ways to grow in this. How do we, how do we actually do this? One is we just have to have a commitment, and I would encourage you to do this every morning, to simply ask the Father, what are we doing today? Father, what are we doing today? Show me where you're at work today. However you want to slice that question. What are we going to do today, God? What do you have for me? And then have your eyes and your ears and your heart open to whatever he presents before you that day. And it probably won't be good enough just to ask that question at the beginning of the day. I've actually learned to ask that question at different transitions in my day. So when I'm going to work or I'm coming from work to meet someone for lunch or going from that to my home, I'm just constantly trying to get in the practice of going, okay, God, I'm about to do this. What are we doing here? How can I represent you? And it probably, like, it probably the first time won't feel like, jail tiller, you are my mighty servant, and this is what I have for you to do today. Conquer the demons of hell, and, like, it probably won't sound like that. Like, it probably, it, it might, it probably will be like, the very first time I began to ask this question, I felt like the Father said, I said, Father, what are we doing today? He said, we're spending time with your wife. Because God knew what my wife's heart needed that day. And he put me in her life to be a blessing. And he's put you in the place of your coworkers to be a blessing. So maybe the thing he'll say to you is, you're going to be a blessing to your coworker today. You're going to take your boss out to lunch. Whatever it might be ask the question. And secondly is this. Commit yourself to whatever you do. It will be for the glory of God. This might seem like this is like token Christianity language, throwaway language. We're like, yeah, we all know this. Like, we do it all for the glory of God. But have you ever thought about what this would actually look like before we do any activity? Say, God, be glorified in this. I, I hate dealing with the church budget don't like it at all. But when I do it, I want to say, God, would you be glorified in this? 
Help me do this with excellence and diligence. Help me think about this the way that you would see this. Help this budget to reflect your heart. Let it be for your glory, right? Some of you do stuff you hate doing. It doesn't matter. It's for the glory of God. The entire instruction of the New Testament is it doesn't matter what your station in life is. Do it all unto the glory of God. And I promise you that if you will start to put God in worshiping him in the place of all of these things, you will start to experience joy in those things you didn't know you could find. There's like a little present hidden right for you, right in the middle of it all. So here's what I'm just going to ask you to do. This week, commit yourself to be reminded, I am sent with purpose. To ask God, what are we doing today, Father, throughout the week? And to take some risks, take some chances. Some of you, you're going to have to stretch your faith. Some of you, the faith-stretching thing will be like not hating your children. Right? Some of you, it will be doing the task that you least like doing, but doing it unto the glory of God. But I'm going to encourage you to do that throughout this week. And then when we come back next week, what if we shared a couple stories of where God was at work? Of, you know, when I did this? And, and by the way, those stories don't have to be like, I led the entire restaurant to Jesus. That's fine if you do that. Let's have a party if you do. Like, I just want to, I want to set the bar low, right? It started with where we are, so we can go where God wants us to go, where Jesus is saying, you're going to do even greater things than I am, right? That's where God's heart is. So what if we did that? How does that sound? That sounds like a church that could experience the presence and the power of God unlike we have before. And it sounds like the church that could bring the presence and power of God to our community in a way we so would you stand? I'm going to pray that over you. And actually, I'm going to ask you to do this. If you are willing, for some reason, I feel like we're supposed to come in close. So if you're willing just to step out of your seats and come in close here, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than this. Put your hands out in front of you. Posture of receiving, a posture of surrender. Posture saying, I don't have it together, God, but I want to carry what you want to put in my hands. And I'm going to pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, I send my brothers and sisters out with power to do good works where you've created them to do. I send them out to be healers, and hope bringers. I send them out in the strength of the Lord and not in their own strength. I send them out with new ideas and creativity. I send them out with endurance for the race that's set before them. I send them out in repentance and humility. I send them out as servants washing the feet of everyone around them. Send them out. Let it be for your glory, God, and let you, let it just be a beautiful act of worship throughout the week. Anything that we put our hands to that's for your glory.
And let us walk with the conviction that we are sent with purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week. Let's share some stories next week.